Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you as the next hour we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. We'll start off with the UFC from last night. You had Alexander Rakic getting himself... A win over Anthony Lionheart Smith. Shutout decision. Lackluster fight. Um, this was an opportunity for the light heavyweight division for contenders to really step up, uh, put a name to yourself, and um, make the fans want to watch you again. And Anthony's kind of been. This is probably more so in the in the camp of uh, Rockets because I do feel like Anthony Smith's probably built up enough cachet with UFC fans for people to know that you know he is the goods to be a true contender. He is, he's been up there in championship fights and, you know, has just put up some crazy performances in the past. He obviously was coming up a rough loss to Glover to but people have, uh, people have seen him at the Heights Rockets is a guy who I think is coming off a loss. Um, you, you want to kind of show that that next generation is here. He's 28 years old, um, has had some pretty sensational knockouts and it felt like really when was on the feet was dominating the fight. You know, other than like one big hammer from from Anthony Smith. And so it was kind of strange not to see him go to that well a little bit more. He clearly hurt Anthony Smith early on with the leg kicks, uh, dropped him in the first round and, you know, didn't really make him stand. You know, was was very comfortable with being on top, controlling the fight and cruising himself to a win. Uh, so it is good. He is back in the win column. He got himself a win over a title contender. So. I think that if his resume builds up, uh, that's definitely one that he'll be able to lean on, but it's not a fight that he's able to lean on himself where everybody's going to be looking at him and saying, yeah, that's a guy who it could be the the heir apparent to John Jones. Um, and look, we're going to be able to get, we're going to get Jan Blakovich and, uh, and Dominic Reyes later on this month. And so, you know, if he can get back in there and show something there, then, you know, maybe uh, he'll he'll be back on the top of people's minds to be a contender again, but that definitely was the performance. It got, it was it was funny it was funny because this night started off with such a bang, man. You were talking about some crazy performances left and right. You started the night with four straight submissions, um, and then the rest of the night was was a little bit of a whimper. There were still some good fights in there, uh, namely Ricardo Lamas uh, getting his win over Bill Algio. Al- um, might be the end for Ricardo Lamas. Might be might be a fight where he is uh, going to hang him up afterwards. But you know, uh, to go to the co-main event, you had Robbie Lawler with his performance uh, against uh, Neil Magny, and 
people were very excited. I think probably out of everything tonight, you were most excited to see Robbie back in action. He hadn't fought in a year's time uh, with his loss to with his loss to Colby Covington. And I said this earlier in the week on Twitter, like Robbie Lawler, for my money, is one of the most entertaining fighters of all time. I really think he was probably at one point had the crown as the most entertaining fighter of all time. But to me, that 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 crown now resides in Lafayette, Louisiana, with the diamond Dustin Poirier, who is uh, who's now rumored to to fight Tony Ferguson, which we, we can get into that a little bit later, because that is just whoo, that that's that's one that, that that's violence to the nth degree. But um I feel bad for both of these guys in this regard because we're, uh, you know, the way I, it's hard not to interpret this fight and to sway towards the negative with Robbie as far as where his career is, more so than the positive with Neil. And that's just kind of, I think, the, the natural thing of it because I'll give a couple of rubs to Neil right, right quick. You know, I, you look at this afterwards and you look at Neil's resume and he's now won three in a row. He's beaten uh, Li Jing Liang. Uh, Rocco Martin and now Robbie Lawler, three straight after getting knocked out by Santiago Ponzinibbio. But you look at Neil's resume, and he's got wins over Robbie Lawler, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, and has a win over Kelvin Gastelum. Um, those are the most notable ones on there. And those are some pretty crazy names. You're talking about two former champions, uh, two perennial contenders, and a former interim champion in Carlos Condit, so three former champions. But the problem is it feels like Neil always gets those wins when those guys are unquestionably past their prime. Maybe not Kelvin. Obviously, he's not in that same category, but definitely with Hector, where he survived a storm, ended up beating him. Uh, Carlos Condit, and Robbie Lawler, and Johnny Hendricks, all those guys kind of on the way out. You beat Johnny Hendricks on a, when he was going through the whole thing where he couldn't make weight to save his life. So it's unfortunate for a guy in Neil who, you know, they're talking about can, can be up there with the most welterweight wins of all time. Um, just cracked the top 15. And yeah, he's got some notable losses on there, like losing to RDA, Lorenz Larkin, uh, Ponzinibbio, like I mentioned, Damian Maya. But these are, the, first of all, those are all excellent fighters. Uh, and second of all, it doesn't, you know, he just never quite lines up that big time win with that win meaning the most. It also wasn't the most thrilling fight in the world, for sure. I mean, he was taking. Uh, you know, he was, he was on top of Robbie's controlling most of it, but in fairness, he was dominating on the feet too. Whenever the fight was on top, it's not like Robbie was able to, to, to pull the trigger on the shotgun. And we saw that same ruthless Robbie Lawler that, you know, we've come to know and love and we haven't for a while now. And so that's kind of where I, you know, got to take the exit off of giving all the credit to Neil and, and all that type of stuff, because we do got to talk about where Robbie Lawler stands right now. And I would venture to say Robbie Lawler is one of my favorite fighters of all time. As I said, I thought at one point was the most entertaining fighter of all time, um, even if that crown's been taken now. But this is four straight losses for him now. Um, it's uh, it's five out of six losses over his career. Um, I will put the asterisk on it. Yeah, the Ben, the ben Askren loss is completely fugazi. Um, you know, maybe he would have gone to wreck shop on Ben, but maybe he wouldn't have. Like, don't forget in that fight, uh, that he dumped Ben Askren right on his on his big curly head, and Ben was able to weather the storm. And even if he didn't win that fight, uh, in the eyes of a lot of fans, he did get his hand raised, um, which is because you know he had he had Robbie in some kind of control. 
And that's another, you know, that's that's definitely another theme. You can look at some of these losses where they got losing the guys like Neil and losing to Colby and losing to Ben. They're not playing the game with with uh, with with Robbie Lawler. You know, they're not playing the game where Rory is and Johnny Hendricks and Matt Brown and Jake. They're not playing that game with him. Um, but also those those pockets where he used to be so great. You know, you think back to the Carlos Condit fight where he won that fight in a lot of 30 second bursts, um, close fight too. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people thought that Carlos Condit should have gotten the nod in that fight. I thought that Robbie, you know, should have gotten the nod, but I'm, I, I, I fully will admit that I, I'm a, uh, I was a Robbie Lawler homer at the time and still am, but Robbie won that fight on just these incredible bursts where like, you could just tell he was biding his time by his time and he could just boom, hit the trigger and just go and unload hell on you for for 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a final minute of a round to steal it. So that's definitely an element that's missing. You know, he had certain pockets against Neil, not much, but even the ones where he was standing in front of him, Neil had the reach, Neil had that sick jab, and Robbie wasn't really willing to go through the wood chipper to unleash hell on him. You know, he's kind of been through everything, and you wonder just if, all those wars and 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 the vicious knockouts and all that type of stuff just wears on you. You know, you're just not willing to take the risk at 38 that you are at at 30 <laughs> or at 32. It's uh, it, it's it's it just doesn't seem like the same type of guy. Um, and I, and that was very noticeable. This was very noticeable in his last fight against Colby. You know, the 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 two losses before that. You know, if people want to go back to the Tyrone Woodley loss, and I saw that a lot of that today, and um, I don't know if it's just getting knocked out by Tyrone Woodley, you don't recover from that. Yeah, it was a vicious bomb, and it was a it was a, you know probably the highlight of Tyrone Woodley's career for sure. But I don't I don't know if it necessarily goes to that. I think it's been a couple of bad style matchups for him. He's had some injuries. You know, you think of the Rafael dos Anjos fight; he fought that fight on a torn ACL, and probably you know. I, I I didn't think that uh, I didn't think he got dominated in that fight. I thought that he did actually a pretty damn good job for a guy fighting on one leg, basically doing rope uh, rope or cage dope up against on Rafael dos Anjos. Um, you know, we mentioned the Ben Askren fight. Unfortunate, unfortunate what happened to him that with the referee, but um, with the, how the rest of Ben's UFC career to be the only guy that lost to him in the UFC. That's not a great thing that you want on your resume. The Colby fight, though, was definitely the turner. Like, that was the one where you're like, I don't know if this guy, uh, I don't know if this guy's got the same gears that he can get to anymore. Because, you know, he let, it wasn't just that Colby, like, controlled him for that fight. Like, he let Colby outstrike him. And he looked like a guy that never wanted to pull the trigger because he didn't want to be the guy that got finished by Colby Covington. Um, I, I, you know, I just never remember in his career anybody making him look that bad. And this fight with Neil, you know, it's not like he got embarrassed by Neil Magny, but he just he was never in the fight. He just never saw, you know, the 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 vintage Robbie Lawler who could go tear Neil's head off. And even in those small pockets where he might have had that that place to go, it just wasn't there for him. So. I don't know. I you know, I don't know where his career goes from here. He's you know, he's he's going to be he's he's nearly touching 40 years old. Um he doesn't feel close anywhere near to a, a contender. I you know, does is, is this, you know, something where 
maybe maybe it's best served if Robbie goes to Bellator or maybe Robbie goes to another promotion where you know he could fight somebody that stylistically um, will give him some more entertaining fights. Maybe he'll be a little bit more revitalized. They could use his name. Obviously, there's value in his name. I think that if you saw this week, I mean, he was getting promoted by the UFC's social media more than anybody. Not even close. I mean, they play that that damn uh, Robbie Lawler, I'll take his soul clip from about Conor McGregor. They played that a gazillion times on Twitter this week. Um, and by the way, he just he's not he doesn't look like that guy right now. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem like the guy who's gonna go take anybody's soul. So that uh that was that was the, the you know the big whimper out of last last night. There were some great performances though. I don't I don't want this all to just be hey the last two events sucked because uh, first of all Ricardo Lamas uh, Alexa Grasso great performance by her against Ji Yun Kim great performance by her uh, Ricardo Lamas he may retire uh, that was that was something that he was pondering after the fight and if that's the case. Uh, that's another guy who's had a hell of a career, been a former title contender, uh, and you know probably you know a guy who's who's always just been up there as, as uh, among the tops in the UFC. But he is 38 years old, um, has had some good wins, has had some tough losses. You know, like it's it's been one of those things. I was at his, uh, I had I had Ricardo in studio once, way on back, and I think it was for the Jose Aldo fight when he was doing promos for that. And I actually ended up going to that fight in uh, in New Jersey. I was we were there for the Super Bowl, and Ricardo's trained down here. He trains at MMA Masters, which you know we've been mentioning a lot lately. I talked about this last week in our interview with Danny, Danny Chavez. They just they feel like uh, the gym down here that has something really special brewing. Um, I, I just feel like you you think about the the weeks that they've had between Miguel Baeza. They've owned the quarantine, I'll tell you that much. Miguel Baeza winning, uh, Danny Chavez winning, Ricardo Lamas winning, Colby Covington's coming up against uh, Tyron Woodley. I think a lot of people would favor Colby to win that fight. They've uh, they've been on a hell of a run, MMA Masters. They really, really have as far as like what the top South Florida gym is. And I think they got that uh, that underdog mentality because you know with ATT, look, they still got a lot of killers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to to disrespect the powerhouse that is ATT or even Hard Knocks 365, which has uh, a bunch of great fighters. Even if uh, you know Camaro is ventured onto other places, the they just had a really good run in MMA Masters. You got You got to give them props. They got some some great fighters down there. And it's uh, it's great to see. So if that is the end for uh, for Ricardo Lamas, um, fun career, man. And you know I'll I'll remember that Jose Aldo fight. You know he was uh you know he was putting it on him at the end of that fight too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here for sure. Him versus Max Holloway, fun fight as well. Um, he's fought the who's who. He's fought the who's who. It's been a, it's been, it's been a really really good career for him. Speaking of Miami, Alex Caceres, he got a win over Austin Springer. He choked him out, rear naked choke. Um, Bruce Leroy doesn't have the fro anymore. He got rid of the hair. I was shook. Uh, I didn't see that in uh, any training videos or pre-fight coverage. He just walked out there, no hair. He just I was like, whoa. He's walking to the ring. He's doing this hilarious dance uh, on the way to like I don't know what the hell. What, what was that? Was it like ragtime that he was doing? It was like something straight out of Boardwalk Empire. And uh, he uh, he he made easy work at Austin Springer. Like he leaped right into that uh, le- leaped right into that that rear naked choke. Made easy work of a guy who didn't look fantastic, took the fight on short notice, missed weight, 
Um, but still, three straight for Alex Caceres. Bruce Leroy is on the right track for sure. And that's a fun division that he's in at, at featherweight. So, you know, this is a couple, a couple of guys. He's being able to take on uh, a young guy, Chase Hooper, a guy taking on his UFC debut. So hopefully, um, maybe for his next fight, take on somebody for one, for one that he can play in for a little bit more. And for two is, um, you know, is one that's going to maybe get him, get him back into contention and get him back into uh, people thinking about him. Cause he's another one, like uh, a lot like Neil Magny where he's, uh, he's been around the game for a while. Um, but you need those, you need those prime wins to, to get yourself into contendership. So shout out to Miami's own Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, one of the OGs from the backyard. Um, and got himself a win. And then the other one I want to make a note of is uh, Sean Brady. Looked really good against Christian Aguilera. And Sean's one of those guys where I saw... I'm trying to remember what was the... It was the... This is probably three years back now. I'm going to look at, bring it up. It was at Shogun Fights. It was against Colton Smith, the UFC vet. He's been... Uh, I mean, he's he's 13-0 now. But I was at that fight at, at, at the Hard Rock. And he is—he's uh, been great. I mean, he's now three and zero in the UFC. He gets his first finish against Christian Aguilera. Looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, vicious guillotine just put Christian Aguilera to sleep. Didn't even tap him out. Paul Felder was raving about him. Their training partners in Philly. Um, but you know, Sean—Sean's a—Sean's a talented fighter. And you know, when he fought down here in Miami, brought a brought a big time crowd to come support him, which is very impressive to get that kind of a, a caravan down here to South Florida, come support you. But he had a great performance as well. So that's our recap from the uh, UFC in Vegas eight card from yesterday. We'll take a quick break here on fighters fury. Be back with more right after this. Welcome back everybody. It's fighters fury here on seven. I the ticket Tobin here with you. We roll on on the show today, get into a little bit of boxing. Uh, we had this past weekend. You had Jose Ramirez. He was able to slightly Maintain his title over Victor Postal uh, to keep his WBO and uh, WBC junior welterweight championships. So uh, tough, tough fight for him. It, you know, especially he d- had to get implored by you know his uh, his trainer in the midst of that fight to really turn on the gas because Postal seemed like he was going forth and uh, was possibly stealing that one. And 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 came rally. It ended up being a very very close fight. Um, closely contested, but he does walk away with the belt. So, uh, big for him. Ares Landy Lara. He also got himself a win. This was on Fox and, uh, a, a nice performance by him. Not the greatest fights in the world. Um, as far as it was concerned, but he ends up getting himself uh, a win against Greg Vendetti, who, when I found out was, uh, was being promoted by the dropkick Murphys. I mean, you've never had me root against a fighter faster. I mean, Greg Vendetti, look, I know they come in with a nice story. He's a plumber when he's not boxing. How do you not root for that underdog story? I'll tell you how have him represented by the dropkick Murphys and that I'm out Miami versus Boston. You got Ares Landy Lara lives down here. Uh, that, but, but you add on top of the, the fact that the, the dude who's from New England is also rep by the the shipping up to Boston guys. I'm out. Don't even have to think about it twice. But uh, look, Ares Landy Lara is, uh, is is still doing the damn thing, man. He's uh, he gets himself a win. He holds on to his belts, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes from there. I know that they've been talking about the Rosario versus Charlo winner. I think that'd be a fun fight if uh, if he comes out of that one for sure. 
um, would be uh, would be a hell of a contest. And it's funny, man. Like this guy's had a really really good career. Um, especially you think about you know the losses that he's had. He's lost to Paul Williams, who was an absolute stud. Canelo Alvarez. A lot of people thought that he won that fight. And Jarrett Hurd, former champion. Um, you know this guy's this guy's only lost to the creme de la creme. So it was a, it was a good performance by him. Um, and so. Uh, shout out to Ares Landy Lara repping Miami yesterday. The uh, the great Cuban gold medalist getting himself a uh, a, a fine performance in uh, in this one as he has uh, been a uh, long going man, long going. His fights aren't always the most exciting. Uh, I'll give you that, but he always makes it uncomfortable for his opponents. And uh, great output by him. So that's a little bit of your boxing yesterday. Uh, as you also had Oscar de la Hoya who came out this week and this was a hilarious, this was hilarious. Um, Oscar comes out this week and he tweets something to the effect of boxing ratings in the toilet. Uh, this is why we need Canelo Alvarez. Let me see if I get the exact tweet here for you guys. So we could just do this for, uh, Oh, here it is. If anybody doubted how badly boxing needs Canelo, the sports biggest star back of the ring. Look no further than the terrible ratings from boxing on network TV the last few weeks, which is hilarious. Here's a couple of things that's interesting about that. One, Oscar's pretty much in partnership with DAZN right now, which is, if you listen to this show, you know I'm no fan of. And a lot of this actually has to do with the guy that he represents and he talks about it, Canelo Alvarez. And... This isn't so much a shot at Canelo. Like Canelo's taken on tough challenges in his career. Look, you you face Floyd Mayweather at 21, um, then you know you're 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 not a guy who's scared to take on anybody. He's not been a guy where I've looked at Canelo Alvarez and felt like oh he's always ducking guys. Like Canelo's look for tough challenges. Don't get me wrong, um, but whether you know whether it be whether it be a get taken on a guy like Ares Landy Lara on in his career where he probably could have ducked somebody like that. Um, you know, he's beaten Miguel Cotto, Austin Trout. He's he's beaten Shane Mosley, Josezito Lopez, um, Gennady Golovkin, obviously, with those fights. Danny Jacobs was a was a uh, you know, a guy who I have a ton of respect for. So it's not like all of his fights have been just absolute garbage in his career. Like he's he's not always ducking guys, and that kind of comes with the territory. Usually when you're a top guy, I feel like if you're gonna fight twice a year, if one of them's gonna be meh, the other one should be a rock show. Like that's 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 how it should roll, you know. Normally, like the way it was with Floyd, is usually it was like four fights would be meh, and then we'd get like, oh, he's fighting Canelo, or you know, and then it'd be like, uh, and then he's fighting Manny Pacquiao. Like that's kind of how how Floyd's ratio would go. So I'd say, you know, Canelo's not quite on that, but since he's been with DAZN, he's fought Rocky Fielding, Danny Jacobs, and Sergey Kovalev. And so, by my pattern, the next one should be a really good fight. And some of the names that they've thrown out there, I mean, you never heard of any of these people. Never. The, the, the WBC, they, like, announced some guy that, that he requested. I never heard of the guy. He's, like, from Turkey or something like that. Never heard of him. There were reports that he wanted to go to Japan to go fight somebody. You know, and you just look at this. You're just like, all right. If I'm a customer and you look at the contract that they gave out to him and then you look at what the prices of DAZN are when I signed up for DAZN it was $10 a month right and then they announced this contract they signed Canelo Alvarez and you're like whoa all right if you're gonna do if you're gonna be the boxing network and you're gonna be the subscription-based place 
you got to get Canelo Alvarez. Then they had Anthony Joshua. So, you know, you're looking at the man at heavyweight and the man at middleweight. Like this is, this is a pretty good thing if you're zone. But the problem was, is basically as soon as you signed Canelo, you doubled your price. Like immediately thereafter, they're like, oh, we can't afford this. And this isn't like one of those sneaky Netflix things where they're like, ah, it's $9.99 a month. Now it's $11.99 a month. No, no, no. They just straight up doubled the price of monthly subscription. And you'd hear people like Eddie Hearn, who's just like, oh, I still think it's too little. Why don't we make it uh, 50 bucks a month or 100 You know, like they're trying to get the yearly subscription thing going. Um, but the problem is, like, they just don't have the ponies. Like, you don't have me getting yearly subscription fights because, look, one of my things that's with DAZN that annoys me is that they get a lot of guys under the same tent. They still can't get them to fight. Like, all right, for example, uh, let's look at uh, Demetrius Andrade, right? Middleweight champion of the world. Uh, we've interviewed him multiple times. Uh, cool dude. Why that guy's never in the running to fight Canelo Alvarez when they both fight on the same network is crazy to me. Who are all these people that they have fighting on DAZN and Demetrius Andrade can't get a sniff? He's fighting uh, in an empty warehouse in Miami after Jake Paul fights some, uh, you know, D-bag Gibb or whoever the hell that guy is. You got the middleweight championship of the world fighting after a YouTuber. You know, this is this is a prestigious title, you know, uh, you know, held, held held by some of the greats of boxing. And it's being fought after a dude who, you know, has FBI raids and, and, and loots malls in, in the midst of a pandemic. You know, you know, like uh, so the idea that that guy when you when you have a thing, this disowned thing going on and I can't even get people under the same networks to fight that I got a big problem with that. And so what I find hilarious about Oscar de la Hoya, who meanwhile is a week removed from telling you he's coming back from boxing. Um, what I find hilarious about that is you're sitting here and you're telling me, Oh, just Canelo is worthy enough of boxing. You're like, it's not dude. Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to sell a lot of subscriptions with uh, with with Canelo Alvarez fighting Homer Simpson, like you're crazy, dude. You better be getting him a good opponent. Like Canelo Alvarez has not been a guy who has been just a standalone, uh, bona fide blockbuster hit right by himself. You know, if you want to look to the Rocky Fielding members, don't forget a lot of people got that free month to watch him for that one. Sergey Kovalev, I mean, that was a shell of himself. Um, where he's fighting Kovalev, you know, it's a cool name, but it would have been a lot better four years ago. If you wanted to do something like that, you know, I give you Danny Jacobs, but even Danny Jacobs is not quite, you, you kind of caught him on the back end. And I'm not trying to be the, 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 the jerk boxing pundit. Who's like, I'm not going to give you credit for any wins, but as far as your audience and what you expect them to pay, like bro, the H HBO doesn't cost as much as the zone. And at least I get good TV shows there. You know, I get game of Thrones, baby. And with it was sprinkled in with a little bit of boxing. And that's, what is that? That's $8 cheaper for six months of the year. Five, you know, five, $5 cheaper for the entire year. You know, you, you, you can't, you can't sit here um, thinking you're going to get me with the zone. Like what else do I get with the zone? Uh, the, the, the Cespedes barbecue show, Pat McAfee. I get all that stuff on YouTube. So when, when I, when I, see Oscar De La Hoya tweet things like that. I'm like, how clueless is this guy? You know, don't sit here and act like you're going to ride in like a, like a white knight 
Um, and you're gonna you're 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 saving boxing because unless you got a triple G under the hat, uh, or or a Demetrius Andrade or a Charlo brother or somebody that's really gonna get the juices flowing of the boxing community, shut the hell up, Oscar. Like, don't sit here and tell me that 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 Canelo Alvarez is gonna be saving me by taking on anybody unless he's fighting you. Is he fighting you? Because that'll certainly be a draw. I mean, you want to see the, the zones ratings go up the. I mean, they'll skyrocket up the top. If he's fighting you, then maybe we can talk. But uh, just weird, you know. Like he did this the other, you know, he's he's hosing down everybody. You know, he's he did this with Ryan Garcia, where he's like mad at Ryan Garcia because he's not fighting. It's like, well, bro, what are you doing here? Like, is it is it the network's fault or is it the 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 fighters' fault? Is it is like, you know, you seem to be hosing down everybody. It's a weird, weird thing to me, but. Hey, man, I, I mean, you, you can sit here and you can tell uh, Canelo Alvarez all you want, but, you know, give him an opponent people care about because, you know, they were talking about this on the broadcast with Lara this week. They're like, yeah, I don't know who's going to fight. Who's he going to fight? I think Lara didn't. Lara said his quote was he's fighting dead meat now. That's a funny line. Who is he fighting these days? You know? I mean, the best quality fighter that he's fought in Gennady Golovkin, both of them have been, been controversial wins. To be honest with you, they both have. They, they you know... Triple G versus uh, Canelo the first time. Everybody thought Canelo lost that fight. You know, I was one of the few that de defended Canelo on that one. Um, and the second one, I thought that Canelo won, but it was close. It was it was very very close. It was not it was not a runaway. And everybody keeps looking at these these matches with Golovkin, and they think, oh, once he fights uh, Triple G, this is going to be the one where he knocks him out. It's like, is it? I mean, like, because it doesn't look like Triple G has been overwhelmed in any of these matchups at all at all so i don't know man i just i looked at that and i laughed this week i'm like really oscar de la hoya you're gonna sit here and you're gonna you're gonna tout about how uh you know boxing needs canal alvarez and the, the ratings in canal first of all canal doesn't fight on television he's been fighting on pay-per-view forever when's the last time canal fought on hbo like do i have to go back to i'm trying to think Shane Mosley? Like, is that like the last time that Canelo's fought on free television? I'm trying to, uh, let me see. Nope, that was on pay-per-view. I think, was it Kermit Cintron? You know, I think James Kirkland might have been on HBO. I think they might have done a couple of HBO fights there. But like, you know, like this guy's not a, he's not a television fighter. What are you even talking about ratings-wise anyway? Like that's going to save the ratings. And then the other thing is you're on a subscription-based platform. That sucks. So... I just laughed at that when I saw that this week, man. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Steve Miocic, he's got some thoughts on where things stand with the heavyweight title picture in the UFC. So we'll talk about that, some of the other news of the week this week when it came to the UFC. We're back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 7 Eye of the Ticket. Hey, I want you guys to go check this out this week. If you missed it this week, you want some good fight content, we got a chance to go to Javier Santano's Sweatbox Gym this week and talk to... South Florida native, 17-year-old sensation, uh, Xander Zayas, who I was saying this to his uh, his manager this week. I was like, man, this kid is maturing beyond his years. He really is. Like, he's getting super charismatic in his interviews, but he is a destroyer. Uh, he's got his last four-round fight. He's looking to go to 5-0 and before he turns 18. He's fighting on this upcoming Friday. Uh, but we got a chance to talk to him. We sat down for him for a good 10 minutes, and... 
Uh, some great stuff from him. Uh, I think you guys would enjoy that conversation. I tell you, what, he's got a big fan base already for for the age that he's at. A um, lot of exposure for the kids. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, check it out. It's on the Fighters Fury podcast feed. We'll have that. It's a standalone. It goes to the Radio.com app. Subscribe to the Fighters Fury podcast feed, or you can get that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that type of stuff. Or you can go. Uh, look up Tobin show on YouTube and you can find that on the fight interviews playlist on my YouTube page. It'll be there as well. It's also one of the newer videos. So go subscribe on YouTube, Tobin show on YouTube and you get a lot of great stuff there. Uh, stuff in the morning show. We got um, heat media sessions, interviews, funny bits, uh, and a lot of fight content for the audience on this show. You guys can see stuff from, you know, interviews we've done with Jorge Masvidal, interviews we've done with Tyrone Spong, interviews we've done with Shannon Briggs. Uh, we just had one. We just did a one-on-one with Paige Van Zant. If you guys missed that this past week, um, it's available audio-wise, but if you want some video content for you as well, you could fire that up for yourself. Um, also want to give a quick shout-out. They had a Titan FC at a card on Friday over at the, uh, at the, at the uh, Intercontinental in Miami, and uh, Muhammad Usman got a win. Kamar Usman's younger brother, big dude, heavyweight. Uh, he ended up dominating a, uh, a decision win. And I uh, want to give a shout-out to an alum from the show, Ryan Cuse, the Third Street Savage. He uh, he won his pro debut. He won in the first round via TKO. Uh, so he's able to throw on that ski mask. I think the thing that I probably missed for him is he didn't have the fans there. I know he had some people there um, you know, from, from his gyms and some of his buddies that he was able to, but... I'm telling you, I've seen this kid at, uh, you know, amateur fights and his crowd's intense. So um, good for Ryan Cuse getting himself a win. Shout out to the Third Street Savage. And uh, hopefully we'll get him on. Maybe we'll get him on in the near future. We'll talk about what it was like to get his first professional win in a cage. Um, as far as some news is concerned this week with the UFC. So Steven Miacic came out this week and he stated that he has... Very little interest in fighting uh, a rematch against Francis Ngannou. That, that's uh, not exciting for him. Uh, it says, uh, quote, Francis isn't exciting to me. Already put on a 25-minute clinic on how to beat him. Won a new challenge. Would love to box. And these are not uh, new requests from Stipe. He has been talking about wanting to box for a long time. I think it would be really cool if the UFC would allow him to go box. Um even if it was some kind of a one-off, like you think about the guys that he could fight, you know, Tyson Fury, he's in the UFC game. They've been circling this for a long time. I think it would be cool if they let Stipe do that. Tyson's kind of gotten to the point where he's almost at the end of his career anyway. I think it'd be a really cool thing if you did former UFC champion against uh, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, the reigning heavyweight champion of the world. You don't even have to give that lineal stuff anymore. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Obviously, people you know, who are boxing fans and not like fans of the circus uh, would, you know, probably want to see Tyson just fight heavyweight boxers. And I get it, but you know, Tyson's got such a showmanship to him that I feel like he just, it it would just be marvelously pulled off. It was crazy, man. We were talking this week. It was three years to uh, three years already this week of Mayweather McGregor. And I was just thinking about me, you know, me and Leroy going on that trip, how much fun that was. Cause you know, we didn't get a chance to go into the building for the fight, but we were there all of fight week. And I think that that week, like the media spectacle of it all was almost better than the fight. Um, the Irish fans that came in and take, took over Vegas, um, all, all of the media that was there, it was, it was 
packed with every type of outlet there was. I remember we were we were doing this show. We did it right in front of the uh, the Barstool radio network, and they're allowed to like curse. And you had uh, Michael Rappaport fighting um, Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Senior, or um, the hell's that kid's name? The one who he does a good job. Robbie Fox is that his name? Does your mom's ba- my mom's basement? I used to do with the glasses. He's like he's gone outside of like Conor McGregor cases. He's funny. He's hilarious. But um, he uh, he was there fighting with Floyd Mayweather's dad, and it was it was just a, it was a hilarious scene, man. It was uh, it was such a spectacle. I don't even know if you, you wouldn't you wouldn't even be like that. I think if Tyson Fury to fight Steve, but I think it'd be a fun thing. Um, and I get it. I get why Stipe wouldn't want to fight Francis. You know, it's one of those things where you could see the argument for both sides on this. I don't feel like you have to be one of these people who has to call Stipe soft because he doesn't want to fight Francis. He fought Francis. He fought Francis. He whooped his ass. Okay? He whooped his ass, and he whooped his ass for, for like he said, 25 minutes. This wasn't a, a fluke knockout. This wasn't a JDS versus Kane Velasquez or anything like that. He whooped his ass, and he whooped his ass over the span of a fight. Um, but on the other hand, like Francis has done all there is to do. This isn't a, this also isn't one of those things where the UFC, you know, fed him one opponent. He knocked a dude out and now he's right back in the title picture. No, like he, first of all, had a very ugly fight against Derek Lewis, which, you know, we'll never forgive either one of them for that performance. The fight sucked, but you know, knocking out Curtis blades the way that he did when Curtis blades was riding high. Uh, Cain Velasquez, who, you know, people thought still had something left in the tank. Junior Dos Santos, who's a vicious, vicious boxer and, and, and is, a, is an absolute monster. And then Jorginho Rosenstrike, who just obliterated JDS. He obliterated him in 20 seconds. So Francis has done all there is to do. Um, I don't really know what, uh, what argument there is for anybody else unless that somebody is John Jones. You know, Dana White said this week that when John comes back to fight at heavyweight, that it's going to be for the title. And if you were to say Steve is looking for something new, the only thing that's new out there that is reasonable is for him to fight John Jones. But the problem is, does the UFC, uh, are they going to pony up for John? Are they going to pay him what he's looking for to get that fight with Stipe? And then you also have, I think, on top of that, if Stipe knows that he's fighting John, what does that do for his negotiations? Like, he's not always been the most easy negotiating uh, fighter with the UFC either. So I do think there's some hurdles there. Whereas with Francis, he's still in that mode where he'll just sign on the dotted line to to get the big fight, to get the title, to become one of the faces of the UFC. And I do think that a Francis with the belt becomes one of their biggest entities because. You know, then you're talking about, you know, all who it's almost like a freak show. Like he'll take on all comers. Who's going to beat the absolute monster? I don't know that there's a lot of top contenders right now that have the style to beat him. You would say it would probably be Curtis Blades, but he's destroyed Curtis Blades twice. So who really is once you get past Stipe, who who do you look at at heavyweight right now? And you say, oh, Francis, you know, Francis is going to have his hands full with that. It's 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 not it's 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 Stipe and then I guess it's John if John comes up and so I guess the question then becomes if you're John 
what, who would you rather face? You know, would you rather face Steve Bay or would you rather fight Francis to win the title? And I would think probably, you know, physically, obviously, Francis is scarier. But you got to think that John's got the the wherewithal. Now, it, look, Francis is crazy strong, dude. Like, that's not a guy that's easy to to take down. It is, it is interesting because we don't quite know what that tank is yet. You know, because all of these fights have been first-round maulings. And so if Francis is able to get past, you know, if, if Francis has to go past round one, what does that Francis Ngannou look like? That's something we don't know the answer to that yet. Um, because I think with all these answers, I think, you know, the Francis Ngannou that you get in round two is not as dangerous as the Francis Ngannou you get in round one when it comes to what kind of fighter he is. But I don't know. I, I I think that this is one of those things where I get what Stipe is saying. He did beat Francis, um, but you can't put Curtis Blades in there. He's lost to Francis twice. Um, you can't put Rosenstrike in there. He's lost to Francis. You could put Derek Lewis in there, I guess, but I don't. I mean, if you're a businessman like Stipe, uh, you know, I can't imagine you versus Derek Lewis is going to sell the same as you versus Francis. Um, and then the rest of them is old, the, the rest of the, the crew at, at heavyweight's pretty old and, you know, retreads. So I don't know, man. I think I see if I was Stipe and I want, and boxing is my, my ultimate goal. I do think that you go out there, you whoop Francis's ass one more time and then, uh, maybe you move on. You know, you don't, you don't do the whole wait for John Jones thing. You do see if a, a, a fighter will come and face you. I don't know how many more fights he has left. You know, people have been seeming like they wanted to uh, retire Stipe for a while. Um, but for my mind, uh, it's tough. It's tough for, for Stipe to be in this place where he's completely dismissing Francis gets another shot because Francis has earned it. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of that talk with DC when DC was trying to go for the super fight with Brock Lesnar. Everybody was saying, well, yeah, but doesn't Stipe deserve an immediate rematch? And it took until the Brock Lesnar thing fell out that he got it and won his belt back, and then I won it again. So I kind of think this is almost in the same realm. Like, okay, if Stipe is able to get John, I, I can't get mad at that fight for happening. It's a bigger fight. Um, it's John's heavyweight debut. Stipe has done enough to earn a super fight. I don't have a problem with Steve versus John Jones. Um, but outside of that, you got to give the, the, the title shot. If you're the champion to the de deserving contender, even if you've beaten that contender, even if you dominated that contender, you know, just like with DC, even if DC knocked you out and knocked you out cold in the first round, you know, you did enough in your, in your career that once that super fight fell through, you should have been the guy. I feel like that this is one of those places where, Francis, he's this isn't a one fight win streak. This isn't a two fight win streak. He's on a four fight win streak. He's obliterated everybody in his path. And if John isn't stepping up to the plate and they can't make John at heavyweight, it needs to be John versus Stipe. And it, and that's that. That's it. Simple as that. It doesn't it doesn't have to be complex. Doesn't have to be a thing. Um, so that's all I got to say about that. I know I don't want a bit of a heavyweight rant there. The other thing that was rumored this week, uh, man. I can't believe this fight's going to happen. It seems like the rumored bout is Dustin Poirier against 
Tony Ferguson. And I got to say, holy crap. I don't even know if we're able to handle that fight. That's one of those fights that needs like that. That fight needs a disclaimer. You know, like they do the disclaimer before every broadcast. That needs an extra disclaimer for how violent I think that fight's going to be. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson? You're talking about two absolute buzzsaws on a collision course. It's like Godzilla versus a great white shark, the Megalodon great white shark clashing at each other, just gnawing at each other with just vicious blood all over the place. I I can't believe that we're going to get that fight. That's amazing. i tell you one thing, though. I think Dustin's going to beat him. I do. Um, not to MMA math your ass, but, you know, we saw what Justin Gaethje did to Tony Ferguson standing up. You know, the thing that's going to be interesting about it is, and I guess we'll never know, is why... You know, Tony doesn't go to his ground game a little bit more. Why why we don't end up in these these places where he's trying to pull something crazy out. We haven't seen that him. It's been mostly him standing and banging lately, um, bit winning these wars of attrition. But I don't think you could do that against Dustin. I really, really don't. Um, and now that's not to say that, look, you may try and go and wrestle with just, uh, Dustin. He's got some nasty submission game himself. But... You know, his bread and butter is he's one of the best boxers in the UFC. I would say that it's probably him and Jorge are probably the two the the two best with the two hands. Um, and we saw that Justin Gaethje was piecing up Tony Ferguson with the hand. And not like I said, not to MMA math it, but Dustin's a better boxer than Justin. We saw the with those two facing off against each other. And I feel like Dustin's gonna come out on top, but it's impossible. Like, he's not going to put away Tony Ferguson. Like, that we know. It's going to be over five rounds. I imagine this is going to be a main event fight. Um, it it has to be a main event fight. I don't even know what we're talking about here. It has to be a main event fight. You, you do not make that a three-round fight. If you do, you're a jerk. I'm just saying that right now, Dana White. If you make... Although, man, who even knows if those guys could survive five rounds, quite frankly. Like, what those guys would be like after five rounds with each other. I keep flip-flopping on this. I'm just very excited. The point is, I'm geeked for that fight. Can't wait for it. When I saw the rumors of that this week, I was giddy. And I saw that Dustin was uh, putting on Instagram. Looks like he's traveling down to South Florida soon. So, yeah, it looks like he's getting back in the lab to get this puppy rolling. But I couldn't wait. When I saw the rumors of that, whew, God, I could feel it in my jellies, as Detective Pikachu says. Anyway, everybody have a great rest of your, uh, your week. Stay safe out there. We love you guys. You missed any of the show. Download the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. See you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.